This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Four. So good. Thank you, Anna. Absolutely awesome. Great to be together this morning. Thank you very much. Wonderful. We're going to continue our series, Cornerstone. Uh, Jeff set. Uh, set that up so well last week. I started this new series, this new year together. Who's ready for a new year? And uh, a new year, um, in one way, is kind of just another day, isn't it? But also, there's always, there's always this sense of a fresh start, a new beginning, a clean slate. Um, that, that might not be totally true, but it's this sense, isn't there, of you get to stop, pause, reflect, and go again. And as we start this new year, as we approach 2021, there's not many more days, you know, you can say Happy New Year to people. There's not many more days we can say it's a new year. We just get on with it, don't we? But in this new year, 2021, as we start this series, Cornerstone, as we continue this series, Cornerstone, my message today is called House on the Rock. That's what we're going to be talking about today, House on the Rock. And here's a couple of questions for you to reflect on at the beginning of a new year, to think about. um, Maybe this is a great space and time for you to just pause, reflect on this Sunday morning. What have you built your life on? Maybe a great question for us to think about. What are you building your life on? Maybe a space to pause and stop and reflect and rethink. Now, what are the values you're building your life on? What are the ideas, the ideologies, the worldview? What are you building your life on? Or who have you built your life on? Have you built your life on a, on a promise, a disappointment, a, a reaction? You know, what have you built your life on? Maybe more pointedly, who have you built your life on? And so this morning, in a bit, we're going to get into one of the parables uh, of Jesus. You might have already guessed where we might be going in terms of, in terms of the text this morning. But I want to tell you a bit of story, a bit of a story of a friend of mine uh, called Chris. When I thought about this idea of who am I building my life on? What am I building my life on? I thought about this guy, Chris, and I've known Chris for a long time. Chris is from uh, London. Uh, Chris, is a, Chris is a great guy, a great guy, and I've known him for maybe uh, around 20 years or so. Um, and when I first uh, knew Chris, I didn't know him that well, uh, but I'd met him a couple of times. And, and then I was sat with a group of friends. We were uh, in, in a meeting about a, a national Christian uh, youth work organization. We were in our meeting, and one of the team, uh, a girl called Sarah, uh, who's Chris's uh, sister, uh, got a call to say, your brother who was on a, a lad's holiday on some Spanish island. Your brother is on a hospital bed and he's dying. Uh, like, he's, he's had too much alcohol. Uh, this holiday has gone badly wrong and he might not make it home. Will you pray? Have you been in one of those kind of scenarios? You know, we pray, don't we? But then there's times where we pray. We pray with an urgency and a desperation. And in that moment, that's what we did. The few of us in this room in Manchester began to pray with an urgency and a desperation. Not just that God would save Chris's life, but that God would give Chris a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning to his life. Uh, Chris recovered. Chris was able to make it home. Uh, Chris went to his dad's church in the south of England. Uh, Chris had grown up in church. Chris had heard all these messages, but he'd not built his life on the rock. He'd not made Jesus his cornerstone. He'd rejected the cornerstone up until that moment. 
But as he recovered in that hospital bed, as he received that miracle from God, that, that life-saving miracle, he decided maybe there's something in this. Maybe there's something in this God thing. Started to go to church, heard the message of Jesus afresh, a new time, gave his life to Jesus, and decided, I don't just want to be a Christian. I want to live my life on mission. I want to live my life for God's kingdom. I want to live my life for the prize, as we sang about this morning. Uh, Chris moved to the north of England, uh, started doing youth work in the north of England, then moved to Texas, then got married, and now has two wonderful kids. And uh, I was speaking to, to Chris this week just about his story and this incredible transformation. You know, one of the first times I engaged with him, one of the first times I was aware of Chris, he was dying on a hospital bed uh, on a lad's holiday uh, on a Spanish island. Now his life is about advancing the kingdom of God. Chris said to me, he knows he's not perfect. He still lives with temptation regularly. He still knows who he is. He still knows his frailty and his brokenness. But he constantly asks himself the question, how can I advance the kingdom of God? How can I live for God? How can I seek the prize that is Jesus and his purpose? And so Chris, you know, Chris wouldn't call himself a hero, but he's an inspiration to me. And I love that in Chris's life, he's decided to build his life on the rock. Whatever you hear me say today, I want us, all of us, I want to urge us to build our lives on Jesus, the cornerstone. That's our whole message in this series. Jesus is Lord. Now, that's the cry of the first Christians. That was their declaration, not Caesar, but Jesus is Lord. But I want to say this to all of us this morning. Jesus is Lord means he's our master, not our mascot. I'm going to unpack what this means. And you might have heard this idea before. Jesus is Lord. That's the cry of the first Christians. It means that Jesus is our master, not our mascot. You know, you learn a lot. I've learned a lot over the years about God by praying with different people and how they approach God in prayer. I remember praying with a group of Indian friends. And when they prayed, they prayed master. And I never heard anyone pray like that before. When they refer to Jesus in their prayer, they referred to him as master. That really hit me. That really struck me, really inspired me, really challenged me. When they prayed, they prayed master. Now, when we think of the idea of mascot, a mascot's like a good luck charm. You know, like you live your life, you do what you do, and then for good luck or for comfort, you kind of add, you add this other thing. You add often, you know, university challenge, mascot, a little teddy, you know, something, a little motif, you know, something just for good luck, just something to help you get through the day. You know, some people treat Jesus like that, like a mascot. Like we do our life, we do what we want to do, then we add a bit of Jesus on top. Can I say, Jesus is not our mascot. He's not the cheerleader for Christianity. He's the master. He is Lord. He is King. Now, when you hear this word master, obviously it's got some negative connotations. When I'm saying master, I don't mean slave owner. I mean more like sensei. You know, rather than slave owner, I mean more like a guide, like the rabbi, you know, like a sensei. There we go, like Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. More like a sensei, not a slave owner, not a master in that kind of way, but a master like a guide, like someone who knows the way of life. Now, Jesus isn't just some spiritual teacher who guides us with a few nice truths. Jesus is life. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is way, truth, and life. 
So when we say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the master, he's more like a sensei than a slave owner. He's not trying to lord it over us. He's not trying to impose his will on us. He's trying to teach us the way. He's trying to lead us in the way. He's trying to guide us in the way of life. So let's read this text. Matthew 7, 24 to 29. This is the parable. Matthew 7, uh, 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. You might be singing the song. If you went to Sunday school, you might be singing the song. The rain came, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it is it because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teacher's of the law. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. That's what we're talking about this morning, building our house on the rock, the cornerstone, Christ Jesus. And the image is simple, isn't it? The image is clear. There's a choice. There are these words of Jesus, these teachings of Jesus, and if we hear them and put them into practice, There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in hearing these words. And it's like your life is built on a firm foundation. And when the rains come, and who knows the rains come, you know, where we live the literal physical rain, but also the storms of life. When the storms of life, when the rain and the wind, when it comes at us, when all the unexpected uh, events and scenarios come at us, we stand. Is this your testimony today? Now, is this anyone's testimony today? When the wind and the rains and the storm hits us, we stand. It doesn't mean we're not scared. It doesn't mean, have you been in a storm? It doesn't mean you're not terrified for a moment, but you stand strong. The house stands strong. But if you hear these words and reject them, or don't put them into practice, you're like someone who builds a house on the sand. And when the storms come, the foundation falls apart. If for you, life has unraveled and fallen apart, you can hear this message today and you can do something different. You can put your life on the rock. You can build your life on the rock. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are hugely important. That goes without saying, doesn't it? That's an obvious thing. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are hugely important. They frame human history You know, the year we live in now and the the way that years are marked are marked by the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Even our year, you know, the birth of Jesus is Christmas and the the death and resurrection of Jesus are Easter. These are huge markers for our life. But can I tell you something else as well? The life of Jesus is really crucial. Some people just, you know, the, the birth and the death and the resurrection, clearly important. We celebrate that every time we take communion. We celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate that at Easter. These are hugely important ideas in, in Christianity and truths in Christianity. 
But the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus are so crucial. So in Matthew 7, the parable we've just read, Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, what are these words of Jesus? Well, it's right here. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. History remembers it as the greatest sermon ever delivered. In a moment, I'm going to give you some of the highlights of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And a lot of it, I'm sure, will be familiar. Maybe today, though, you could sit down and you could read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as one complete sermon. These are the words of Jesus. In Matthew 7, 24, when he says, when you hear these words of mine, what is he referring to? The things he's just said. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Some of the highlights are things like these. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Things like, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Things like the Lord's Prayer. That's in Matthew chapter 6. Things like, store up treasure in heaven. Things like, do not worry. That's a great passage for a lot of us right now. Things like, do not judge. Things like, ask, seek, and knock. I want to encourage us to build our life on the teachings of Jesus. So there's revelation, there's truth in accepting the birth and the death and the resurrection. But Jesus also taught some stuff that is revolutionary. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, has radically changed human history forever. You know, in in John's Gospel, Jesus is introduced as the Logos of life. In John's Gospel, uh, it refers to Jesus as the Word of life. So the Word of God. The Word became flesh. The word for word in the original language is the word logos, which is where we get the word logic from. You know, have you ever felt like life doesn't make sense? Have you ever read the Bible and thought, what does that mean? (laughs) Have you ever had a difficult moment in life? Can I tell you this? Jesus is the one who makes sense of it all. He is the logos of life. He is the logic of life. If life isn't making a lot of sense right now, build your life on the rock. Build your life on the teachings of Jesus. And briefly, I want to share with you something from the Sermon on the Mount, something from uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that has fundamentally changed my life. Like My whole life for the last 21 years has been based on the teaching of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, particularly Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33. So I just want to spend the next 10 minutes telling you my secret to life, my fundamental life principle that's based on the teaching of Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33. It says this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But here it is, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. That, I I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old. I made Jesus the master of my life at 15 years old. And at 18 years old, I heard this talk for the first time, and it changed everything. It changed the way I approached money. 
although when I was 18, I had no money. But you know, it changed the way I approached finances. It changed the way I approached relationships. As I later became a husband and a father, it changed the way I saw marriage and parenting. It changed how I saw work. It changed how I saw the purpose of my life. It impacted everything and impacts everything in my life. Like, a, now not calling myself wise necessarily, but like a wise person, you hear the words of Jesus and you put them into practice. Now this passage, if you're anything like me, would make you ask a couple of questions. One question might be uh, in verse 32, um, where Jesus says, don't be like the pagans. Now before, before I was 18 years old, a number of years, many years ago now, uh, when I heard that idea of don't be like the pagans, in my mind, I don't know about you, but in my mind, my image of the pagans was probably based on films from the 1980s. And my image of the pagans were people that would howl at the moon and drink blood. And I'd think to myself, tick, you know, like, okay, Jesus, I will not howl at the moon and I will not drink blood or whatever it might be. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll not be like the pagans. That's fine. Uh, move on. But I began to realize that's not necessarily who the pagans were. They weren't atheists, and they weren't just people who would howl at the moon uh, in the dead of night, or whatever it might be. The pagans believed in the gods, in a pantheon of gods, many gods. The pagans believed in the gods, and the pagans would have religious systems. They would worship, they would pray, they would sacrifice, they would give, they would make pilgrimage. They would do spiritual practices in order to bend the will of the gods. Now, they would do certain things in order that the gods might reward them or not punish them for their behavior. That's how they kind of approach this system. And imagine things like this. Imagine, you know, that as a family, your job is to provide crops for your community, you know, like an agricultural community. Your job is to provide crops, and it's not rained maybe all year. And you know without the rain, the crops won't grow. So as a family, you might pray to the gods of the rain or the gods of the sky or whatever. Send the rain so that these crops will grow and you sacrifice and you pray and you worship in order that the gods might do what you want them to do. That's how the pagans operated. And that's how I would argue many people operate today. And it could all be summarized with this question that's going to be on the screen for you. The pagan question. If I do this, will you bless me? That's the pagan question. If I do this, will you bless me? If I worship in this way, if I pray in this way, if I offer this sacrifice, God, if I, God or the gods or, you know, gods with a small g, if I do these things, will you do this for me? If I do this, will you bless me? In my experience, and this might not be true of your experience, but in my experience, many people I meet who are religious or non-religious approach God in this way. I do these things in order to bend God's will to my will. I do my religious duties or I try and be a good person so that God or the universe or whoever will do what I want. That's how a lot of people operate. But what I began to learn was, was this, that actually Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't be like the pagans. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God. So another quick question, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is, is simply this. The kingdom of God is wherever God is made king, where God is in charge, the rule, the realm, 
the reign and the royalty of God. So I would say the kingdom of God is here right now. It's, it's at hand. The kingdom of God is um, in East Lancashire because the, the kingdom of God is where you are right now because Jesus is the king of your life. Jesus is the king of your family. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. So the royalty, the realm, the territory, the reign, the rule of God, the kingdom of God is where his people are. And here's the kingdom seeker question. So Jesus said, don't be like the pagans. Don't chase after all these things. Don't ask this question, if I do this, will you bless me? Instead, be a kingdom seeker. And here's our question. God, what are you doing and how can I bless you? God, what are you up to? God, what's on your heart? God, what's your agenda? God, what's your will? God, what's your way? God, what are you doing and how can I be a part of it? God, what are you doing and how can I bless you? So I've got three, three quick ways to throw at you, to say, well, let's be kingdom seekers. Let's be people that seek first the kingdom of God. Let's be people who build our lives on Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. Let's be people who build our lives on the teachings of Jesus. Let's be people who make Jesus our master, not just our mascot. So three things. How do we seek first? Number one, make his prayer your prayer. As I've already said, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have what you might know as the Lord's Prayer. I love to call it the Kingdom Prayer because the Kingdom Prayer hinges on this line. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in Rosendale, in the Ribble Valley, in sunny Wales, in Florida, in Burnley, in Padium. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Make his prayer your prayer. How do you seek first the kingdom of God? You make his prayer your prayer. Now, what if that was a prayer you prayed every day? God, what is on your heart? What is on your agenda? God, what is your task for me today? What's your assignment for me today? God, what's your will today? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, in our time, and in our money. Let me share uh, one of my favorite quotes from one of, my, uh, one of my heroes, a guy called Floyd McClung. First of all, Floyd McClung has got one of the best names in human history. What a great name. Uh, Floyd McClung also uh, did incredible uh, missions work with, with his wife, uh, Sally, in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, in Amsterdam, on the Opium Trail in Afghanistan, Flood McClung is just one of these incredible uh, heroes of the faith. And he says this, if you want to know what someone is all about, look at how they spend their time and how they spend their money. That's not a judgment, but that is a bit of an acid test. You know, how, how do we know we're seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, look at how you spend your time and how you spend your money. I'm not going to be looking at how you spend your time and your money. But that's a good review, isn't it? That's a good thought today to reflect. How do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? Lastly, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, can I urge you today to seek first the kingdom of God in everything, in your relationships, in your finances, in your work life, in your friendships, in everything, by asking this question, God, what are you doing and how can I bless you? God, what are you doing in my family? 
God, what are you doing on my street? God, what are you doing in my business? God, what are you doing in my marriage? God, what are you doing in every area of my life? God, what are you doing in my finances, in my workplace? God, what are you doing and how can I bless you? How can I be a part of what you're doing? What is your number one priority? What is your number one priority? In a moment, I'm going to give us a chance to respond to this message. In a moment, we're going to sing a great song called I Choose You. And that's going to be an invitation to say yes to King Jesus. To say, yes, I want to make you my master, my Lord. Not just my mascot, not an add-on. I don't want to treat Jesus like that. I want to see that Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is way, truth, and life. So right now, today, what is your number one priority? What's number one for you? What are you building your life on? Who are you building your life on? What could your life look like in 2021 if you made the kingdom of God your primary concern? If you asked that question that my friend Chris asked, God, how do I advance your kingdom? That's the question Chris asked himself. Chris said to me this week, you know, that's what I constantly ask myself. That's the question that's guiding me. That's the question that's helping me to build my life on Jesus. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.